My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us this morning. Uh, if you got your Bibles, we're in uh, Philippians chapter 1. And I am excited to get to the verses for today. Um, there's, a little, there's a little phrase in today's text that I have always wondered about. And uh, I found some stuff that helped, I think, clear that up in my head. So it was quite helpful for me. Hopefully it is for you. Uh, but let's start, Dave, if you go to the next slide. Uh, let's start with reading our uh, first chapter of Philippians. Uh, so today we're going to start in, verse, in uh, page 35 of the Green Book. So welcome to those of you online. If you need a copy of the Green Book, it's at OurSundaySchool.com. So let's read Philippians chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment, so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know that this will lead to my salvation through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I am torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus may abound. Just one thing, as citizens of heaven, 
live your life worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or am absent, I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit, in one accord, contending together for the faith of the gospel, not being frightened in any way by your opponents. This is a sign of destruction for them, but of your salvation. And this is from God. For it has been granted to you on Christ's behalf not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Philippians chapter 1. All right, so last week we left off with the first part of verse 7. So we started with, uh, let's go to the next slide there, Dave. Thank you very much. So we started off with, indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you. And then this yellow text is what I hope we can get through today. Uh, Because I have you in my heart, and you're all partners with me in the gospel, with me in grace, both in my imprisonment, defense, and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness. And this is the little phrase that's always thrown me for a loop in the past. Uh, How deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. So that's our our text for today. Uh, Let's go to the next slide, Dave. So we're picking up on the middle, about halfway down on, on, verse thir- on uh, page 35 of the Green Book. So indeed, it is right for me to think this way about all of you, uh, because I have you in my heart. Because I have you in my heart. So on page 36... Is that you there at the top of page 36, singular or plural? Plural, that's right, because he's talking to the group. He's talking to the entire uh, congregation because I have you in my heart. So I got a question for you. Who do you have in your heart? I feel like this is an easy question. Jesus. Jesus, right? Who else do you have in your heart? Your wife, cool. Your spouse, who else? Family, great. Who else? There you go, other believers. I was wondering how long it would take to get to the example Paul gave, which was the church (laughs) at Philippi. And and it's not just his church, right? What's that? He didn't have a spouse. He didn't have a, you sure? Um, uh, But it, was it, was it Paul's church? No, he's not a member of the Philippian church, right? So it's a different church. So how often do we hear a believer say about a different congregation, I have them in my heart? I, I hear a lot more, uh, and I'm grateful I don't hear it out of our pulpit, uh, but I, hear, I tend to hear a lot more from congregation, uh, a sense of competition across churches, as opposed to a sense of we are collaborating around the gospel. Um, and don't, like, don't get confused. Paul just didn't pick some random group of believers and say, I love you. Like, these are people he's invested in. These are people he went to prison for. Um, there's, a, there's a great relationship that he's got built here. So I had two questions in my, my notes here. Who's in your heart, and have you told them they're in your heart? Because Paul tells him, I have you in my heart, which would be really encouraging, right? Now, I, I do want to point out one, uh, there's a, a footnote here, uh, footnote C there after the word heart. 
And the footnote says, or because you have me in your heart. Now, the crazy thing about the Greek grammar here is that that could technically be the right way to interpret and translate this, uh, but that would be wholly and completely inconsistent with the thought that Paul is, and the argument that Paul is making here. Uh, so this is one of those, the, the context helps the translators quite a bit know which way to go grammatically. <clears throat> So I have you in my, sorry, somebody is lighting me up. There we go, all right. I was like, where is Sean? He is not here, so that's, it's not him. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so he has them in his heart, uh, and you, so we keep going here, and you, the again, plural. Do you ever skip over the little words when you're reading? I skip over the little words a lot. Uh, it's one of the reasons I like to have all this extra stuff in the brackets. This, this verb for are is the Greek word I may. Uh, and it is a present active participle. This is not a one-time event. This is a habit. This is an ongoing thing. This is a lifestyle. So he's talking to them. And he says, you are all partners with me in grace. So this, this idea of partnership in grace was not, Paul is specifically not referencing 10 years prior when he was at Philippi. That is not the object of his reference. The object of his reference is right now their continued behavior. So let me ask you this question. It's been 10 years since he's seen them. How does he know what they're up to? Like, did he email them? Did he leave the email in his draft folder like I did with Dave last night about the PowerPoint this morning? And Dave's like, where's the PowerPoint, Jim? And I said, I sent it. He's like, well, let me show you my screen I'm refreshing. He's like, oh, it's in my draft. Did, is Paul emailing back and forth with Philippians? What's he doing? How's he find out? People visit, right? Anybody know the name of the person who visited the most? No? Timothy's with who? Timothy's with Paul, right? The one who got sick, yeah, the guy who had the itis, right? Epaphroditus. So we're going to practice this. So Epaphroditus. Let's say it. Epaphroditus. No, that's it means everybody. Epaphroditus. One more time, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. Right, don't be scared of these names. You're going to meet this guy one day. It's okay. It's cool. And I'm going to laugh if he's telling us all uh, English-speaking people who are trying to resurrect a dead language that uh, we've been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. So there you go. Uh, all right, so this is, he's referring to the words that Epaphroditus has uh, pulled back from him, uh, pulled back from the Philippians uh, about Paul and pulled back from... Paul about the Philippians, so, and you are all, not, not some of you, you are all partners with me in grace. And this partners is plural as well, so they were, they were, more, <laughs> they were all engaged in this. Uh, I've got a quote here from Hansen. It's a lot more than what's on the screen, so I'm going to read and then I'll tell you Dave when to flip over. Uh, so he says, Paul's friends in Philippi were co-partners in God's grace with Paul inasmuch as they participated with Paul in suffering for Christ by sending Epaphroditus with gifts to care for Paul in prison and enduring the same struggle in their Roman colony that Paul was enduring in his Roman prison. In both places, here you go, Dave, the proclamation that Jesus, that Christ is Savior and Lord, brought them into conflict with the Roman declaration that Caesar is Savior and Lord. 
So this is one of the ways he's partnering with the Philippians. Like we are, we have the same opposition. We have the same struggle. We have the same opponent. And it was not, um, <laughs> it's, it's not a, they're the enemy. It's an exaltation of who Jesus Christ is. He says, you're partnering me with me in grace. So how do you partner with somebody in grace? What does the text say? What's the next clause? Both in my imprisonment and in a defense and confirmation of the gospel. That's how you partner with somebody in grace. Because he goes on and explains what the thing was before. Now, the word grace on page 37 in your uh, green book has used, let's go to the next slide, Dave, is used uh, three times in Philippians. It's used in the greeting, so he starts with grace. It's used in 1-7, where he talks about partnering in grace. And it's used in 4-23, the last sentence in the book, he finishes with grace. I view grace as this wrapper around the letter to the Philippians and the partnership that Paul has with the Philippians in the middle of the thing. So it's the boundary and the work that's actually being done, which I think is a really cool way to design the letter. Uh, props to the Holy Spirit for a well-designed letter. There we go. All right, so uh, partners with me in grace, uh, both in... Oh, I've been skipping over the applications and personalizations, hadn't I? Yep. Dadgummit. Let's go back to page 36 real quick. So application at the bottom of page 36. I was like, why am I going so fast this morning? Maybe I skip stuff. That's it. Uh, Christians have other Christians in their hearts. Pretty straightforward, right? Christians have other Christians in their hearts and tell them. Christians have other Christians in their hearts. So what do we do with that? Have Christians in our hearts. <laughs> I debated putting other churches. I didn't want to stretch us too much here. And tell them. I was watching a sermon, uh, I was actually watching a, uh, a service from a church in Washington, D.C. a couple of months ago. And during their prayer time at the beginning of the service, they had different prayers, different times for different types of prayers, prayers of confession and uh, repentance and thanksgiving and uh, petitions for other, uh, other things. And in their petition time, asking God to bless and help others, they listed several other churches that were near them in their community. I was like, that is just gorgeous. Like how to adorn the gospel by saying we are partnering together in this work in our community. It was just, it was a beautiful thing. All right, so, and then at the bottom of page 37, our application here is Christian's partner. Right? We are not renegades. We are not uh, isolationists. We are not... Um, Mavericks, we partner together with other believers for the work that God has given us to do. So what do we do with that? Partner in grace. Partner in grace. So Christians partner, so partner in grace. I'm going to do something really hideously bad as a teacher. Is anybody else just roastingly hot this morning? Like, is it warm in here or no? You're, yeah. 
I got a couple of nods. All right. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to check because I'm either under intense conviction or it's just very hot. And I struggle sometimes to know which one it is, but um, I need a shower at this point. So this is gross. All right. Back to the text. Here we go. Uh, so partners with me in grace, uh, both in mind, top of page 38, uh, imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. I struggle saying this clearly, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. The cadence of the sentence, I need to speed up right there to get the, the intonation right. And when I speed up, I slur the words. So sorry about that. So in the imprisonment, so question for you, uh, how did the Philippians partner in Paul's imprisonment? How did they partner there? They did what? They took him things he needed. Yes, absolutely. Who, who specifically took him? Who specifically? That is listed in the text. We practiced his name just a minute ago. <laughs> You're like, yes, I know. <laughs> Epaphroditus. Yes, Epaphroditus. Yeah, so they took him things that he needed. They also took him letters about, Epaphroditus took him letters about how things are going to encourage him. Uh, I would imagine also to allow Paul to weigh in on, um, on what is going on. Um, th- there's, a, there's a little, I don't know if it's a meme or whatever, floating around social media right now. And it's a, a general Pauline letter outline. You seen this? Grace, I thank God for you. Hold fast to the gospel. For the love of everything holy, stop being stupid. Timothy says hi. I was like, that, that's actually really good. <laughs> that's really, really good. Um, and and this is... This is part of that. Like, thank you for partnering with me while I'm in prison. And this, this word imprisonment mean, literally means shackles. So if you have another translation of the Bible and it says if you're in, if in bonds or in shackles or in chains, those are really good translations. But I want you to notice where this word imprisonment shows up in the letter to the Philippians. It shows up in 1.7, 1.13, 1.14, and 1.17. This is his springboard. It is not the pool he wades in the entire letter. Right? So he's not just like, oh, woe is me. I'm in. No, 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 no. I'm acknowledging this. I'm thanking you for this. I'm going to tell you how God has taken care of me through this. And then we are going to get on to talking about the gospel in Jesus. So, in partnership in the uh, grace and imprisonment and in the defense. So, the Greek word here for defense is apologia. Uh, That's where we get our English word apologetics. And this is, the, the def- defense is a really good translation for this. Uh, this word is only used one other time in Philippians. It's used in Philippians 1.16. It says, these preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. And I'll tell you, you know, th- this word only shows up eight times in the New Testament, and it doesn't show up talking about pet projects or pet beliefs or my favorite soapbox. It's... It's about uh, the gospel. (laughs) This word is about the gospel. So he's directly tying how they have helped partner with him in grace in the defense of the gospel. So why would they need to be defending the gospel? 
Or would they need to defend the gospel? Yes, they are suppressed. They are in the middle of a very aggressive religious culture where Caesar is Lord. And the gospel is going to directly confront that with Jesus is Lord. So there's going to be an ongoing defense of the gospel. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Because they were. Like, they were enemies of the state by saying Jesus is Lord. They're also in a culture where any God can just appear, like, in their, in the pantheon of Rome. Yes. Like, if there's a God of, uh, like, that chair, then they're welcome into the ring. Yep. A lot of options to keep up. Like, I would have hate to have gone and tried to get a degree in theology from Rome. That seems like it would be a never-ending study of just frustration and options. Um, it's actually one of the things that I, <laughs> I heard a Bible teacher a couple of decades ago say, you, you should really thank God that we have a trinity. Um, like it's, it's far less complicated than a pantheon. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's actually pretty good. I like that. So imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation, and this word just literally means confirmation of the gospel, uh, but this word confirmation, it shows up one other time in the entire New Testament. It shows up in Hebrews 6.16. So flip over to Hebrews 6.16. I think this, is this the first time we've gone outside of Philippians? It might be. And they showed up just in time. I finally got, finally, after ordering them from three different vendors. Everybody canceled on me. I got seven of them. That's all I could get. <laughs> These are the last seven in the universe, I think. I don't know. Uh, of these uh, large print, you're welcome. Uh, I know I will hear from a wonderful segment of our attendance if I don't do large print, uh, namely me, because I never know where to look through these dang glasses now, so it's ridiculous. But uh, we've got uh, CSBs on the table, so if you need one, grab one. So what is uh, Hebrews 6.16? Who's got it? Thesa, is that your new Bible? No, it's not your new one. Who's got 616? In the CSB. In the CSB. Y'all know how to change translations in the Bible app? Yeah? For people swear by something greater than themselves, and for them, a confirming oath ends every dispute. So here's how this would work. Um, Bruce, I think the floor is, I think this middle strip in the floor is brown. You think it's blue. I think it's brown. You think it's blue. I think it's brown. I swear by God that it's brown. You would then stand down. You're like, oh, you have invoked a swear, an oath from your God. This is as high an authority as you can invoke. I know that you are telling the truth because you wouldn't do that unless like this was the thing. So this is where the word confirmation comes in. And I think it's hilarious 
Because in confirmation of the gospel, verse 8, for God is my witness. What does Paul do next? He uses the cultural appropriate response of the day and says, God is witnessing that what I am saying right here is true. It's almost as if he gives us a heads up that he's about to do this when he uses the Greek word uh, babiosis, which I think is hilarious. So, I've never seen Paul do that before. Um, but anyway, interesting stuff. All right, so uh, imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So application at the bottom of page 38, Christian's partner. That sounded like at the bottom of page 37, it was. So personalizations, you've got three of them here. Christian's partner in imprisonment. Christian's partner in imprisonment. Christian's partner in defense of the gospel. Christian's partner in defense of the gospel and Christian's partner in confirmation of the gospel. So Christian's partner and then Christian's partner in imprisonment, in defense of the gospel, and in confirmation of the gospel. So if you've ever wondered, what should we partner with others about? This is a good starting list. Helping those who have been wrongly imprisoned for the cause of Christ. Cool. Defending the gospel. Cool. Confirming the gospel. Cool. That's a great list. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it is a comprehensive list. I would say it's a great starting point. <laughs> I didn't know where to put this next quote from Dr. Keown. So I just put it here, and I'm not entirely sure it fits here, but it was just so good. Paul's modeling what it looks like to have the mind of Christ, a life shaped with deep affection and others' concern. He tells him, thank you for partnering with me in my imprisonment, but also the defense of the gospel and the confirmation of the gospel. Is the defense of the gospel and the confirmation of the gospel good for the Philippians? Yes, absolutely. They need to know how to do this. They need to know how to do this well. They need to know how to do this in a lot of different ways because the pantheon, right? Like Rome is not just going to take one attack of like, well, Caesar's Lord and that's it and you've got to deal with it. No, no, no. It's going to come from a lot of different angles and a lot of different ways of life. This is going to pop up in myriad ways in the in way they engage with life. And what Paul does is he cares about them, right? This, it, and this is a hyphen here. So he's made up this phrase, others concern. I've never seen that anywhere else. I just love that. Others concerned. Cool. Let's do that. It's fantastic. All right. Thanks, Dave. So let's look at verse 8. For God is my witness. Again, this clear reference over to Hebrews. Um, I get asked periodically who I think wrote Hebrews, and my answer remains the same. I don't know who she was, but she was a great writer. So there's that. Uh, so verse 8, for God is my witness. The, wit the word witness here is just, uh, a judicial testimony. Now, this is uh, this is not this is the word martyrios, uh, martyr, martus. Sorry, it's close to martyrios, the word for martyr. Um, but this 
usage that Paul has here is obviously not from the context. God is a martyr to this belief. Like that would be a ludicrous translation of this particular word. Martyr with a T, sorry, yes, yes. Um, so this is God is my judicial uh, testimony, if you would. Um, so uh, let me just tell you here, uh, application here is that Christians know what God would affirm. Paul knew that God would affirm what is about to happen here in this sentence. Christians know what God would affirm. So what do we do with that? Affirm what God affirms. And I'm thankful he wrote it down for us. <laughs> I don't have to rely on, well, somebody said, ugh. It's stunning to me how often people still get misquoted in a day and age where nearly everything is recorded. Like, it's just stunning, but we do. All right, so for God is my witness... How deeply I miss all of you. Page 40 here. So we'll start off with a couple just facts about this verb. So it's an indicative. So this is a statement of fact from Paul's perspective. And it means to dote upon or to intensely crave possession. To intensely crave possession. Um, this is a really bad example, but it's what is prominent in my life right now. Uh, I'm on a diet. I hate diets. I detest every part of this. Uh, I'm not hungry all the time, finally, which is great. Uh, but I still want to eat sweets all day long. And uh, I know that if I do, the number that I see on the scale that is going down each day will start to go up again, and it is not helpful, and it is not good. Right? So if you add a time in your life where you deeply crave the possession of a thing that you weren't near, because I can just walk over to the, the pantry and grab something. Paul couldn't just walk over and hug the Philippians. And I would imagine you have. Like this is part of life is missing either people or things. Here it's obviously people. But this is an intense craving that Paul had for the Philippians. Now, is this word used anywhere else in Philippians? Yes, it is, in 2.26. You know what 2.26 says? 2.26 is a reference to somebody else that intensely craved the Philippians. But I consider it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, as well as your messenger and minister to my need, since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Epaphroditus got sick because the Philippians thought he was sick because he was sick. That's crazy. Like, have you ever, have you ever heard somebody come up to you, hey, I heard you were sick. How are you doing? And you heard the distress and the longing and the care and the compassion in their voice and it impacted you personally. That's where Epaphroditus was with this. The Philippians heard that he was sick, and they cared. And Epaphroditus cared that they cared. This is beautiful. Like, this is the most wonderful ratchet of caring ever. <laughs> like, I care, and you care, and I care that you care, and I care that you care that I care. It's wonderful. 
Can't imagine trying to diagram that sentence, so don't even try. <laughs> too many verbs, too many nouns. So this is Paul and Epaphroditus' view of the Philippians, that he cared about them. They loved them. And not just some of them, but again, all. I deeply miss all of you, plural. And he could have put a period there, and it would have been, that, that would have been impactful, right? Like, that would have been impactful. But he goes one step further, because turducken. We're going to put Christ in every part of this letter. Mitch is like, stop it. Stop with the turducken. <laughs> with the affection of Christ Jesus. This word, affection, uh, I have tried and tried and tried and tried to pronounce it. I can't get it. It sounds like nine different languages smashed up all in one. So I'm just going to play it for you. Strong's G, 4698, Splagchan. Splagchan. My throat doesn't do that. <laughs> so it, it was just too fun of a word not to mention. So uh, this is the affection. Uh, it literally means your intestines. You're like, what? What do you mean your intestines? That's weird. No, it's not. That's where it's your, your gut emotional response to something. The seat of emotion to the ancient Greek was not the heart, it was the gut. Because that's where you feel things. Like you don't feel things in your heart, you feel things in your gut. Right? So this is the word. Uh, figuratively, what it means is pity or sympathy. It's like I care about you, I'm engaged with you, this, is, this matters to me. So this is, this is Paul's way of saying, I miss you like Jesus loves you. Like that is strong. That is bold language. Uh, I teach ACT prep to high school students, and one of the strategies that I teach for the, uh, the reading portion of the test, uh, and I don't know if you took the ACT when you were in high school or whatnot, and it was a, it's a terrible test. It's awful. Um, and uh, the reading passages in this test, they intentionally select the most boring text that they can find. Like they are trying to disengage the student intellectually and emotionally so that you, there's just very little engagement. And uh, one of the strategies that I teach is that once you get it narrowed down to a couple of answer choices, the, the answer choice that you ought to lean to is the most boring answer choice. Because when you ask questions about boring text, what kind of answers do you get? You get boring answers, right? This is pretty straightforward. And, uh, and the, the example that I give is you will not find in the text of a ACT reading passage, he loved her with the passion of the burning of a thousand suns. Like, no, that's not in there. What you might find is he thought about texting her back next week, maybe, <laughs> right? It's emotionally meh, just kind of middle of the road, blah. This is as far from that as you can get. Like this is, I am doubling down on how much I miss you. I am missing you like Jesus loves you. So a couple of applications here. Um, application number one, Christians miss Christians. Christians miss Christians. So what do we do with that? I'd say know and love each other so we miss each other. It's hard to miss somebody you don't love. Know and love each other so we miss each other. 
And then application number two, and don't miss this, because Paul slides this beautiful little truth in about Jesus. Christ Jesus has affection for Christians. Oh, is that beautiful or what? Our God is not a distant God. Our God is a God who cares and loves for us. Christ Jesus has affection for Christians. So what do we do with that? Rejoice and mimic. Rejoice and mimic. Because we serve a great Savior. So that is Philippians 1, 7b through 8. So Lord willing, we'll pick up with Philippians 1, 9 next week on page 41. And who knows how far we'll get. All right. So you should have a weekly update at your table. So if you would, make sure your name is on the front side of that uh, so we can take attendance. And then if you've got any prayer requests, please put those on the back or need to update any prayer requests. That would be great. And we would love to pray for those. So after you have prayed over these, uh, feel free to go and worship this one who loves you back. Who loved you before you knew he existed. Who loves you more than we can fathom how much he loves us. Like This is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. All right, guys. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.